blues. <laughs> hey guys, Aussie Crafter still is shooting the shit. Welcome all, welcome one and all. How is everybody? We are I'm good. good. We are good. We are I'm good. good. I don't think they can answer yet. <laughs> yeah, oh, right. Right. Let me bring up yet. the comments. No, they have no, not responded. No, to you. no one. Okay. No one. Right. As yet. I'll keep pushing there. Keep going. All right. So That's tonight, fine. tonight we are here with oh crap. <sighs> I don't think his name is crap. No. <laughs> <laughs> Whippersnapper. Shall I? So shall Jimmy, I... Jimmy from Whippersnapper. G'day, okay. Jimmy. G'day. Yeah, over boys, in, how you going? Uh, over in WA over in uh, sunny Perth. Yes. Mm. So this is a big one. Um, and we've uh, we've actually got a few samples here, which uh, Jimmy's kindly sent over to us. We've got yep. some rye. We've got some single malt. We've got some corn. And, I'll, just, uh, I'll, I'll gradually, as we progress through the bottles, I'll uh, I'll bring them up and let everyone know what we're, what we're what currently we're drinking. Um, so we've got a lot of your stuff. Uh, what's in your glass? I've actually got the red corn in my glass, mm. yeah. Which we will move on to That's soon. Yeah. So I'm, I'm kind of shocked, guys. You've drunk all them bottles already, pretty much. We've got a we got a sample of wares before they before we uh yeah talk yeah. about them on air. Yeah, that's definitely sampling, all right? It's yeah. a tough job. It's a tough job. There was but, a, yeah. there was no shrink wraps on. It was just tape. Yeah. So I blame yeah. Australian Post myself. <laughs> <laughs> so I first came across uh, Whippersnapper when I was actually heading over to Perth for my first ever West Australian trip. And... Um, I happen to be staying uh, not too far from where you are and managed to drop into the little uh, tasting room there uh, about five years ago now, five and a half years ago. Yep. Um, it was a pretty small tasting room at the time. Have you grown? Look, you'd be happy to know that we're still the small little tasting room that you remember. <laughs> it was very um, cozy, and it was it was there were yeah. quite a number of people there when I when I came in. Yeah, look, we we still got the same tasting room. Um, the tasting room that you're talking about is our cellar door, which also acts as our um, cafe during the day. Um, mm-hmm. But we have kind of expanded into a bit of seating into the distillery space, but. Yeah, I guess being an urban distillery, we kind of have to jam a lot into a small space. Mm. Um, and we've always put a lot of focus on uh, the production side of things. Um, yep. As you guys would know and your listeners, you know, whiskey distilling uh, takes up a lot more space. Um, there's space for barrels, forklifts running around. Mm. Um, and the distillery, we, you know, we've always had a big focus on tourism uh, and getting people in the door, um, educating people around whiskey, so you know it's it's a, a mixed use space as well so um mm. we need to leave, leave room for for our master classes and our, our whiskey tours and things like that so and the cafe and all the other functions that the, the operation has so but it hasn't changed um you know some different artwork here and there and uh, more whiskeys probably on the shelf certainly since five years ago and mm. yeah it's still that kind of um it's, it's a cool vibe. It's a really cool vibe in there. And I mean, you know, it's, it's 
um, 10 years for me now and uh, still yeah, love wow, being wow. in there. Yeah. We actually have a uh, another warehouse two doors down on the street. I was going to ask, uh, where are you keeping all those barrels then? Yeah, so actually where I'm sitting now is, is my office. And it's a warehouse slash office space, mm. um, which popped up on the street and we had to get it because there's not many industrial uh, warehouses in East Perth being on the edge of the CBD it left, really. So, yeah, we, we picked that up in uh, 2020 pretty much um, yeah, right. to, to, to allow us to kind of uh, keep growing the business and the mm. distillery. Which I guess you you probably need to uh, have more space, seeing as you're winning a couple of awards here and there. Yeah. Um, nothing of note that we really need to talk about, though. Um, <laughs> only yeah. the world's best corn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah. Just yeah. a good corn, just, whiskey, you know, just, just competing with some of the American stuff, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Not... Wow. Not a not a not a big achievement at all. <laughs> like hell. How that? What was that day like? Uh, incredible. You know, um, when we when we got notification that um, we should make our way over to London, um, we mm. thought, oh, yeah, they're just trying to sell us tickets um, because the year before we'd actually won World's Best Single Cast Single Grain for our wheat whiskey. Uh, and we didn't go because we couldn't afford it, right? Um, mm. London's a big expense for a small business. So then when we, when we were, um, got nominated, I guess, for the red corn winning something potentially, um, I had to say back to the World Whiskey Awards people, you know, uh, what, what is the actual chance of us winning? And they said, look, it'd be an awkward silence on stage. No, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah we, we kind of scrounged around and um the business paid for me to go uh and my general manager and a mate of mine paid his own way and uh it, it was quite quite fun you know um sitting at a table uh with um you know some of your big american uh, distillers and uh chatting to them and they were like where are you from perth Where's, where's Perth? Where's Australia? Oh, okay. We normally see big international guys here, but everyone was really supportive and yeah, it was a humbling experience uh, yeah. that, that night. And um, it was a short trip, five days, um, tested out my liver, um, still got it. Uh, I can test that, still got it, well kept done. strong in and out five days and 12 hour shifts of drinking and just having a good time. And, um, yeah. putting the feelers out to the industry out there as well and seeing what was happening in the in the London bar scene as well. It was good fun. Yeah, yeah wow. That would be an experience, most certainly. So where did it all start? How exactly did you... So if it's over 10 years now, um, that makes you one of the one of the veterans of the, of the scene, really, doesn't it? Yeah, we, we actually started um, the business in, well, we, the, the idea started in around 2010 um, uh, as a pretty crazy pipe dream, as most of the most of these distilleries start off as. Um, and, you know, it, I mean, it starts like a, a lot of stories, you know, just a love, love, love for whiskey. Where I grew up in West Australia, um, I grew up on uh, property, 
uh, I, I worked on farms when I left, left, left school. Um, and yeah, you, you do a lot of drinking and you do a lot of drinking of um, particular spirits that weren't very good uh, back mm-hmm. then as well. You know, this is the early 2000s. You, yeah. you didn't have access for a lot, especially country WA, for instance, you don't have access to a lot of good whiskey. Uh, I think my mum's top shelf whiskey that she had was um, Black Douglas. Um, right. Quality drop. Um, and she would say it all the time, that's top shelf, don't touch that. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think as you start to mature, you start to explore the world of whiskey. Uh, and back then, obviously, the Australian industry was starting to pick up um, mm-hmm. with the likes of um, Tasmanian stuff. And I guess when I become uh, started to mature and started to build a palette around what good whiskey was, uh, there was this kind of gap there where we didn't see a lot of American style whiskies, um, good quality stuff, good craft whiskies in Australia. There's plenty mm. of single malt options. Uh, so that, I thought that was quite curious because I've traveled to the US a few times on holidays. Um, and there's some amazing whiskey over there that we don't get here in Australia. So, and, and that connection back to um, growing up in, in the Wheatbelt region of West Australia, it's like, well, we've got a lot of grains here. Uh, why don't mm. we produce a whiskey or produce styles of whiskey that are grain whiskies or whatever you want to call them? corn whiskies, rye whiskies, wheat whiskies, uh, instead of focusing on just a single malt style. So that kind of, that idea started to burn. Um, and then I met my brother-in-law uh, and then he had a similar passion to me. He, his, his story starts differently. You know, he grew up next to a guy called Vic Tanger who flew Lancasters during the war. Um, he had his own recipe that he made in his backyard and his neighbor was uh, my brother-in-law and he got inspired through Vic uh, and his stories and um, my brother-in-law eventually helped write his memoirs. And there's a connection to whiskey for, for Al, um, Alistair, through his neighbour. My connection was less inspiring. It was just me and my mate, Tim Hoskins, who <laughs> just drank a lot of booze uh, <laughs> and loved whiskey. And, you know. Passionate um, enthusiasts. Exactly, exactly, yeah. So... Fast forward a bit of time, you know, me, me and Alistair uh, started, started talking about it, you know, at family lunches and dinners and shit like that. And um, we said, look, you know, let's do, let's do some traveling. Uh, let's try and go and meet some bourbon distillers and American distillers. And let's go to Scotland and meet some uh, Scottish distillers and ask the question, hey, how hard is it? And uh, can we do it in Australia? Uh, can we do this style of whiskey in Australia? Um, what do you need? All those things you do mm. as you're going on a journey to discover um, not just the drinking of whiskey, but um, the the uh, the commercial reality that's behind making whiskey in Australia. Uh, mm. And you know, there's a lot of people saying, "Hey, go to Tasmania and learn." You know, go 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 chat with uh, Bill Lark, uh, etc. Mm. But um, you know, we, we're, we're isolated over here in West Australia and we didn't want to, we wanted to do a different style of whiskey completely and we wanted to learn different techniques. Um, so, yeah, we, we did a bit of travelling, put out hundreds of emails to, to all kinds of people. And I think only, um, you know, one in, uh, one in 50 email got, got returned. <laughs> uh, and most of the time it was like, oh, good luck with that. Yeah, we're not teaching you anything. Um, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but we we perse- persevered, you know, and we we eventually um, 
ran into some really inspiring people and, and one eventually became my mentor, Tom Cooper, who was a, a little craft distiller in, uh, in the state of Colorado. Uh, Tommy was a builder for most of his life um, and he had a recipe from his grandfather that he'd uh, yeah, been right. making for many, many years. He retired from building, moved to Colorado, up in the Rocky Mountains, beautiful spot called Cedar Ridge, um, and started a Colorado Gold Distillery. He was one of the first to get a little just uh, craft license in the state and did really well. And um, when we uh, were fortunate enough to meet him, meet Al, he said, you know, I'm retiring. I don't have any kids. I want to pass this knowledge down to someone. You know, if you're willing to, to work with me, I'll help you out. So uh, stroke of luck there, pretty much. Yeah. Um, and he he come he come from a uh, a small uh, small distillery background, which is what we we needed, right, to mm. start the distillery. The same thing kind of happened in Scotland. In through those travels, we met some pretty interesting people, like John Grant from um, Glen Farkless. Um, we, we met some incredible people, but there was a guy called Tom, uh, sorry Frank McCarty. So Frank had uh, worked in the big end of town. Uh, so he worked for brands like Bush Mules, Northern mm. Ireland, Lake Vaughan, Brook Lake, uh, and Springbank for 20 years. Yeah, wow. So it was, it was quite um, quite good for us to come and learn uh, from these two people who've got all that experience. But in the end, what we did, we just pull that knowledge from these guys because uh, we're not here to reinvent the wheel. Mm. We are trying to make our own style. But in the end, we're just trying to make really good whiskey right here in Australia. But... We just wanted some of that knowledge from over there. We've been doing it for so long and bring it back to Australia and use our own uh, ingenuity to make our own style of whiskey. Um, and what do, you, what do you think the key takeaway from both sides uh, of the globe there, uh, the Scots and, and, and the Americans, what, what did you see early on as the key differences in or the key similarities between what they were doing? Yeah, it, it's simple. Like Scotland, tradition, America, innovation. Um, right. And we, we, were, we kind of wanted to sit in between there. Um, the, the craft scene was booming over there then as well. This is back in 2011. Um, and there was so much innovation and, and technology uh, and different ways of making whiskey, still with the aim to make good whiskey, right? And then Scotland, you've got all these um, hundreds of years of tradition, which mm. don't have a lot of that innovation because they can't, right? So um, we got to pick and choose the parts that we wanted. Uh, and I'm big on innovation, but also I love the tradition um, mm. side of it as well. So, and that was the differences. Um, so I guess if you ever come to the distillery and do a tour, you actually see bits and pieces of both of that. And then you'll see this real agricultural side of our operation because uh, my background and working in the mining industry and uh, engineering stuff you know so there's a there's a mix match of agricultural um run out of money need to make something and mm. american techniques and scottish techniques mm. um so yeah yeah wow so when did you turn the stills on g when did it all start uh that would have been um february 2014. right so yeah i started the business 2013. we we started raising money because we had no money uh so we had a powerpoint presentation uh <laughs> we sat in friends backyards 
we sat in my brother-in-law's backyard um, and did this little PowerPoint and said, hey, this is our idea. Who wants to invest? (laughs) Do you still have the PowerPoint presentation? Yeah, we do. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And some early kind of crowd crowdsourcing videos and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then I I even took it up to the mine site I was working on. So I was a mine surveyor and um, I was in the wet mess um, after, after shift all the guys in, in the high beers drinking beers like hey who wants to invest and you know a lot of they're the people that believed in you right mm. um who gave you you know here's five grand just no worries you know i don't expect any returns just good luck oh, wow. and then um raised some money uh bought our first steel and the first steel that we we got was a hybrid um uh, column steel hybrid pot steel from uh coop so Tom Cooper from the US, he'd actually set it up for someone in the US um, and it collected dust. So we bought it off this guy and then Tom packed it up for us, put it in a container, shipped it over. And we got it really cheap, so we got a good deal. Uh, so yeah, 2014, uh, turned the seals on. Uh, it was a bit of a delay, obviously. We we use a gas-fired steam boiler. There's all the regulation around um, gas, gas boilers and stuff like that. Um, in Australia, particularly in West Australia. So, yeah, uh, stressful time, but exciting at the same time. So it was just me by myself. And then I had um, Alistair in and out. He was still doing his day job. And he still does. He's still part-time. And then I had a heap of friends, you know, mates that were sparkies, uh, mates that are on FIFO contracts on their shifts off, uh, cabinet makers in there, you know, just all my mates in there. Um, family just helping out, trying to get everything running. At the same time, uh, we were demolition, uh, doing demo in the building, uh, getting our cellar door sorted. Yeah, all the fun and games that you go through and all the things you don't know about that you learn pretty quickly uh, that you, you didn't know about, <laughs> you have to get sorted. So, so had you actually touched a still before? Uh, before I, I, not, a, not a big still. No, nah, not at all. No. Nah. Mm. So it was kind of learn on the job. Um, and, uh, it, you know, I, the way I learn is, is doing things by hand. Uh, I love, yeah. I love making things. I love creating things. Uh, I learn by, by doing, um, so Tom was actually over here. So he came over for three months. So from January through to March, he had a, a working a holiday visit. <laughs> it wasn't working, right, guys? If the no, ATO no, 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 no. holiday, holiday visit, yeah, of course. Yeah, holiday visit. Uh, he was just advising while on holiday. Yeah, um, yeah. And he was helping me out, and we were building boiler rooms. Uh, we were installing the equipment, um, and then we got our first, uh, you know, a lot of grains through. Uh, we did our first run through the stills, our first ferments. Um, and that all happened within that three month period, uh, commissioning mm-hmm. first run. So it was re- really had to jam things in there. Mm-hmm. Then um, the day before he left, before his visa ran out, he actually, we actually put our first cast down. So the first oh, wow. barrel of whiskey was actually all done together before he left. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, that was, that was, that's it. It's just been me uh, ever since. And then uh, now I've got a team obviously, but it was just me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it must have been quite exciting for him as well, because the continuation of the of the story, isn't it? 
That's right. Yeah, and and in the recipe, so the upshot recipe originated from his bourbon, right? Uh, and then I've tweaked it. I've changed it, so it's gone from his granddad to him, and then down to me. Mm. And that whiskey doesn't get produced in the US anymore. So it's just it's this lineage is now in in Australia. Um, the I, I changed it for our market, so I tweaked things up a little bit. Um, and then a, ever since then we've made our own styles of whiskey. So all the um, what you're drinking now is all our own creations. But um, mm. well, yeah. uh, speaking of where we've, I think we've all almost finished our glasses of the uh, the red corn, uh, which is creamy. Yeah, mm. that's nice. yeah. Uh, creamy and and spicy and um uh buttery yeah buttercream and yeah. spice <laughs> it's lovely absolutely lovely uh we've had a question come through um from Ian bruce uh wondering if the process having that american influence uh use a i can't quite read that sentence uh do you use a doubler no we don't use a doubler um a dumper is up there called yeah the, you probably see them more in um continuous distillation setups yep. um yeah where they they will use a doubler um but yeah not not for batch batch distillation yeah mm -hmm. okay cool um and we did have an, uh, a couple of comments come in early on uh lord smeg saying first rate distillery great team love visiting when they're in the city uh, also excellent coffee um and then uh just saying uh so putting the feelers out how long did it take uh diageo to make a bid oh, no, <laughs> there's no bid from diageo that's for sure we're too small for them <laughs> their yeah. loss yeah. yeah they can't afford us anyway what are you talking about <laughs> oh well, absolutely yeah. i mean once you've once you've won world's best uh the price uh just skyrockets doesn't it oh i wish that was the case but yeah that's right yeah <laughs> <laughs> so all your grain is 100 percent wa sourced um where are you getting it from and and yep. what what are your yeah. what are your grain relationships over there yeah so yeah all wa um they're all mates and mines all, all the farmers yeah um, right a few of them I went to school with so uh the wheat the barley um the rye all those things all come from the wheat belt region so towns like narrington where i'm from or highbury uh or bruce rock then the corn it's only the corn's grown up in uh Kununurra. so it's way up in the north of the state and um, mm. kimberley's region uh different obviously tropical climate up there mm -hmm. much more uh, rainfall better for growing corn the 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 uh colored corns so the the, the red corn that you've got uh those things that we've kind of seeds we've been sourcing for christian up there at um at bothcat farms so he's been growing the yellow corn for us for years he grows yeah. a lot of that obviously and uh for the stock feed market yep. and we've been then now getting seeds so he's been growing us rainbow corn we've got that in barrel now uh baby blue that'll be getting harvest um uh, this uh october is it pretty actually blue? it is blue corn yeah yeah and wow. they're, they're little cobs so you get normally you get one cob per kind of stalk 
Uh, but these baby blue are baby. They're tiny, about, about this big, mm-hmm. and you get multiple. So pretty cute. Uh, <laughs> and green corn as well. And the red corn has obviously gone back into harvest because yeah. when we won the award, uh, it was more seasonal at least that we did. So we only made eight barrels of this red corn because we had yeah, we only yeah. had eight ton, eight ton of yeah. red corn. Just one harvest. Yeah. Um, luckily, he kept he keeps a seed bank for us. So when we won the award, I was like, "Wait, you need a plant, mate? <laughs> well, we need some more because you're going to run out." So um, yeah, so we got those coloured corns and yeah, all the all the multiparties from the state as well from the Weaver region. Uh, so yeah, we love sourcing local. We love talking about our grains. We love um, highlighting the provenance of the grain and where they come from, uh, and, and pushing those flavour profiles into the whiskey, rather than kind of just allowing a barrel, for instance, to do the talking. We want yep. people to get back to the um, tasting that real raw ingredient and the differences. And the red corn was the first experiment. Um, so if you put this next to Upshot uh, whiskey, our, our flagship, which is yellow corn. Okay. There's a huge difference, big, big difference. Yep. Um, so it was a bit of an experiment. Uh, that's the, uh, there it is. So the red corn, red corn is more. Shit. Is it more spicy? But you the, can see color difference there, certainly. Yeah, the, the that's and that's the cast strength. So it's going to be slightly different, but the forty-three um, percent ABV is very similar. Yeah, the. The yellow corn's a little bit, a little bit nuttier and spicier. Uh, I would say the red corn's sweeter, so you get this real kind of old English toffee character come through. Mm, right. Whereas you get more of a traditional kind of caramel, uh, vanilla, spice in the in the yellow corn, mm. and a bit more butterscotch coming through, which is very similar to the uh, uh, toffee, old English toffee in the red corn. But there's a huge difference, and that just kind of proves that. You know, we use the same mash bill, obviously same fermentation, same um, uh, distillation regime, same barrel program as well. So new American oak always for us. Okay. Um, yep. Exactly the same. Just swap the grain out, big difference. So yeah. and, and that's exciting, just being able to play with different hill and variety grains to get that um, to shine through. Mm. So... And then the the so the rye, the corn, the barley, all that, and the quinoa, all locally, well, WA sourced. Yeah. Um, question on that has come in. Uh, given how expensive freight is uh, send up north from Perth, uh, find the only way to keep transport costs down was to make your loads of backload from the return leg to Perth. Or do you lo- use rail? No, it's it's truck. Um, yeah, it comes down to a, um, I guess, a wholesaler in Perth from yep. the cop. And that uh, ever since the cyclone um, that happened at the start of the year, or maybe end of last year uh, up there, road freight's gone up a lot. Um, and it has for, you know, shipping around Australia has gone up. So... When we started the distillery, we were buying uh, corn from Kananara at about 650 bucks a ton. Um, we're closer to 900 bucks a ton now. And a lot of that is is, is freight, yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's, 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 it's expensive, uh, but mm. you know, 
we're out making good whiskey, so and we want it to be yeah. WA made, right? So it is yeah, what yeah. it is. Uh, there's nowhere else you're going to get it, really. Either, so. either uh, not, way, it's going to have to be freighted in, isn't it? Yeah, so right. you either you either freight it locally or you freight it interstate. Yeah. Um, either way, you've got the cost, don't you? Yeah. So if you had to pass that cost on to that that I mean that's quite a significant increase. Um, have you found you've had to pass that on in the bottle price or um, has that been able to be absorbed or how, how have you handled that? The, the upshot whiskey, uh, it's been on sale since 2016 and that price had been stable uh, all the way up until last year. Yeah, so wow. we, we, we've been absor absorbed uh, all the increases in excise, which is your big kicker, right? Yeah, uh, that definitely. goes up every year. Uh, yeah. Everyone gets smashed with that. It's, it's horrible. Um, but obviously, the COVID, all the things that's happened post-COVID, the, the inflation, everything's gone up. So, yeah, unfortunately, we had to put it up. We just couldn't carry that. So yeah. a bottle of Upshot whiskey used to retail for um, 98 bucks. Mm -hmm. Now it's at 110 but that's not just the row throw, that's everything else that goes into electricity, yeah. all your services, um, yep. you know, wages, um, CPI increases here and there for the last uh, and, six and years. And for a quality Australian whiskey, that's still a mm. very, very affordable price point. Especially in a 700 mil bottle. In a 700 mil bottle, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, um, definitely. And I think if you put compare it with Australian stuff, absolutely, it's, it, mm. it's where it should be. Um, and I think, you know, a lot of people, unfortunately, compare Australian whiskey with imported whiskies and go, yeah. why is it more expensive? Um, but there's a huge difference in product, right, in quality mm. in Australian stuff compared to imported stuff. No, I'm, I'm just generalising. Mm. Um, so you're always going to be a little bit more pricey and it is expensive to produce whiskey in this country. Oh, absolutely. Because we're, all, we're doing it in small batches too. We're not, we don't mm. have that economies of scale or uh, our imported friends. So, but yeah, it, it, we, we've always wanted um, Upshop uh, to be accessible uh, to people. Yeah. And, but unfortunately, you know, at the moment with the way the economy is, it's it's tricky uh, for people to, to still justify and indicate over a hundred bucks really in whether it's wine or beer or whatever. So mm. <laughs> it's tough. Yeah. Absolutely. It's probably why the likes of uh, Manly uh, put out their um, Coastal Stone Explore, which is what, 80 bucks a bottle um, as a, a blend uh, to compete with those, the cheaper end of town. Um, what are your thoughts on the approach of, of um, creating a lower cost mass market product yeah I, I think it's great uh, and it has to happen there's got to be if we're going to compete uh with the, the imported stuff we, we need to offer the public something at sub 100 we need to be competing in that space um and we're going to win support that way so if you've got a blended whiskey which is a little bit more affordable uh, you get people in that door in through that way and then they're going to step up eventually to some of your other more premium or non-bladed products or whatever. So I think it's good. It, it's going to start opening up the market. As long as we can keep the quality there, which I no doubt the Australian distilling industry will, I think it's a positive thing. 
Um, you, you, you see the likes of Twofold, a very similar um, style yeah. of whiskey doing doing well. Uh, it's a good tasting whiskey. Mm. Uh, and, and, you know, we're, we're actually looking at the same thing at the moment. Uh, we've yeah, done right. trials with the blend um, on a very similar line to what Manly have done. And um, because, you know, the big re retailers, for instance, are screaming out for something that's uh, affordable. Not only that, if you want to try and get a first pour in, in a lot of bars in Australia, you've got to be pushing around the $50 a mark bottle price. Um, if you want to, if you want to knock off, you know, an imported stuff off, off the list, you know, mm -hmm. the bars will come, the bars that want to support Australian spirits are happy to look after you, but you still got to play, play close to numbers and, mm. you know, the, the whiskey, for instance, what we produce is just too expensive and too premium to, to get it down there. You know, we're just not making, yeah. we won't make any money at all. It's giving it away. So the, the blended option, as long as we can keep quality there, is a, is a positive thing for the industry, I think. Yeah, right. Uh, a couple of questions that have come in. Um, so... Uh, Ian, has the team had a chance to experiment with different grains in various wood types to see if any complement each other. Oh, cheers, Ian. Uh, we have, yeah, so we've done uh, a few different barrel releases, Hungarian oak, um, version French oak. Um, we've done some, we've got some PX uh, that's out with Upshot. Uh, we've got some Oloroso, which not released just yet. So there's some different finishes there. We've also done uh, spirit in um, like new mate into into PX, not finishing as well, and same with Oloroso. Um, Hungarian oak was quite interesting. Like it was a version of Hungarian oak that's been charred instead of normally they're toasted when you get them. So definitely we've 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 experimented with that. We're not a hundred percent just on American oak. We just that's our preferred style for our DNA and our, our recipe. But yeah. Yeah, there's a few. If you go onto our website, you'll see a few different products that are still lingering there. Yeah. Uh, the website for those playing low at home is uh, whippersnapperdistillery.com, is one I prepared earlier. Ooh, Took, nice. I got an hour early just to put that up. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> get, the, get the spelling right. <laughs> I copied and pasted. I copied That's the way and pasted. I do it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, another comment coming back through going back to your first poor comment um the royal in perth cbd only switched to start with two folders their first pour based on the price mentioned circa 50 bucks after rebates that's low yeah, yeah. that's yeah that's that, it, that's it, hard to that's, what, that's where you got to be yeah yeah and that's um, a volume equation isn't it mm. if you've got to be You've got to be putting volume down to be able to to do that. Yeah, yeah. Um, circling back to your grain as well. Another question from William Rule: um, Is any of the corn malted? No, it's not. Um, it would be more efficient if it was, but it's not. So, so tell us about your process uh, for, because I mean, the majority of the people that we talk to. Are all using barley we know how that works mm. <laughs> um how do you how do you go about um or how, how do you go about cooking up your corn 
Yeah. Uh, look, you're probably you're probably aware like corn, for instance, doesn't have a husk, right? It's just it's just going to be your, your flour. So you have to treat it differently. Um, so we use a what we call a multi cracker, and we used to use a plate mill. So very different. We don't use roller mills because. Um, you know, you won't be able to put corn through it. It's like grinding up rocks, right? So it's pretty yeah. hard. So, but what we're trying to aim for when we mill corn is to pulverize it. So the more, the more final we can get it, the more traction we can get out of it. That also right. then causes an issue when you go to mashing. So we can't use a mash tun, right? Because right. the, the corn uh, is, would just be like flour and just blind up all your sparging right. plates. So we use a mash kettle. Okay, so as the name suggests, it's a big kettle agitator. Water goes in, uh, corn goes in, uh, and anything that's got a, a high gelatinization temperature uh, it goes in and cooks first. Okay, so corn's about 80 degrees. That's when it's going to give us uh, the, the starches or solubilize those starches for us. And then we step it straight down to about 63 and we add multibarley because we need the enzymes. So we don't use artificial enzymes. We need, we need that, um, the uh, malted barley um, enzymes, active en enzymes, beta-amylase, beta, amylase, beta amylase to then convert those starches into fermentable sugars. So you only get one crack at it. And so, so it's not the most efficient process in terms of alcohol extraction. You know, that's where um, laudering uh, is gonna be better with malted barley, hence why we use malted barley, you get more bang for buck out of malted barley. Mm -hmm. So, but it's not too bad um, if you can get it right. And then we set it down to fermentation temperature for our yeast. We use a, a, a pretty interesting yeast strain that's uh, tough, it's hardy, you can handle all kinds of anything we throw at it. You know, it'll ferment nice and warm that we like. We like to drive more kind of fruity characters in our whiskey if we can short, sharp ferments, and it gets hot and perth as well. So it, it can handle temperature. So it'll be fermenting up around 38 degrees in, in the first couple of days. Yeah, wow. Um, and we do full grain fermentation as well. Yep. So we pump everything in fermentation. And there's there's some good um, papers out there that actually it, it does say that we can drive better esters and congeners out of the ferments by having the grain present during fermentation. Yep which is pretty cool. So it's a bit more of a traditional. Is that because of the nature of corn? Um, or is that, would you get a better ferment if you were fermenting on on the grain with barley? You get a different. A different, different right. ferment, yeah. Different flavor yeah. profile, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's better or worse. It's just, you're just gonna, having the grain present, you're just gonna get a lot more um, of flavor developing, having in your fermentation. But it's also a process thing as well. We can't, because we don't have that filter bed, uh, we're not we're not separating the grain out of the work, right? So it's all has to be pumped over anyway. Mm. Um, and then obviously post-fermentation, we've got grain, but the grain settles out. So we just decant the liquid, but again, the grain that's left in the in the ferment in the, in the ferment tank is is uh, holding some of your your mm. liquid that yeah, it yeah. steals a little bit. So again, it's less efficient. Yep. 
but we're not we're not on a big big scale production. We don't care about that. We just care about making good whiskey, right? That's what we're about in Australia. Yeah. So have you um have you experimented in putting that grain into an old washing machine? And trying to dry it out. Trying to like a <laughs> Look, what we, we have done experiments back in the day. Um, we've got Who a talking to that did that. I've, I've forgotten now. So, I someone can go back through the back catalog of episodes, <laughs> but someone that we were talking to not so long ago, yeah. not too long ago, uh, put their grain into a um, into a washing machine. Not not their normal everyday washing machine that they're putting their undies in, but a, a, a purpose, uh, purposeful washing machine to spin the grain and suck out it, suck everything out of it. Yeah, oh, I think it's Sam Anderson. Uh, uh, oh, it'll come to us. It'll come to us. We'll just, Anderson Peters. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Aaron Anson uh, at um, Crooked Tune also doing corn. Yeah. Yeah. So he's making American style liquor. Um, very, 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 very small batch. Uh, he's, I think his his whole distillery is probably smaller than my shed. Um, and that includes includes the cellar door, doesn't and it? And that includes the cellar door. Yeah. yeah. And yes, he was saying that in order to, yeah. Because he also ferments on the on the corn uh, on the grain, um, he's he was transferring the the fermented uh, corn into uh, a, a washing machine okay. and spinning it <laughs> get to get it all out. <laughs> I feel sorry for that washing machine. To be yeah, I think he said he burnt one out. He's, yeah, he, yeah, he's yeah, been yeah. a couple of them. Yeah, yeah. That was uh, so. Yeah, that he was just gets them off the side of the road. Or something. They, just, they weren't anything special. I don't think he washes them, no. but anyway, I, I think that just adds. To the... <laughs> but that, so that probably speaks to the um, the innovation um, side of things um, in dealing with these difficult grains and in dealing with that difficult process. Have you had to come up with any unique ways of uh, making life easier? Oh, yeah, certainly. Um, processing the grains can be difficult. Um, I'm trying to think what, what might stand out, but um, yeah, there's different techniques that we, we, we certainly use with some tricky ferments and, and grains and grind profiles and different ways of cooking things. Um, yeah, it, it yeah. It it, take, it takes a while, especially using things like quinoa. Um, <laughs> very difficult yeah, grain to that use. That was an interesting one. Tell us how that came about. Oh, look, it was just a bit of fun um, to, to start off with. My mate um, approached this and said, "You know, we, we've got some. We're growing quinoa." I said, "Oh, why? Why are you doing that?" <laughs> so it's a big market for it, <laughs> yeah. um, and we want to be the first. Uh, so they were trialing all these different varieties of quinoa and. They found one that would actually grow in our conditions because um, there's hundreds of varieties out there. So they grew this golden variety. And he said, oh, can you make us some whiskey? And um, yeah, we're like, yeah, yeah, we'll have a, have a, have a crack at it. And a um, good mate of mine, uh, Tim Tim Hoskin, who worked with me back in the day, uh, he did a heap of trials at home. 
The problem with quinoa, though, it's, it's high in protein, right? It's a little right. bit useless for us in alcohol production. <laughs> but um, the whole purpose of doing the quinoa whiskey was to kind of demonstrate that we can use different grains and we can be as wild as using quinoa. Uh, and we can create some excellent flavor profiles. And this goes back to what I was saying about talking and building provenance and talking about grain in whiskey. Uh, so we did that. We bought a bottle of the Corsair Chemo Whiskey, the only one that we knew of in the world, uh, over in, uh, from Tennessee. And they had 20% Chemo in there. So she said, oh, stuff that. It's got to be at least 60%, right? It's got to be a majority. Go hard or go in home. There. Go hard or go home, exactly. Um, <laughs> I think we yielded uh, a quarter of what we would get out of corn in alcohol right so super inefficient the grain costs us four and a half thousand dollars a ton yeah this is when chemo was really popular it was it was Uh was fad um so yeah but the end result was incredible it's earthy it's nutty it's spicy and i've i've had scotch distillers on the holidays come over to perth on the on the way through and you know, I want to try that. I've got to try it, taste it, and be blown away because it's so different. And that's all we're trying to do. With that it's no, it's not going to be a, a product that's going to take over the world and be a big seller. It was just something on the side, but it's te- it really tests your palate and really builds that palate as well. I reckon and it's interesting. It's fun. So, and did it yeah. test your processes in the same way that processing corn does or processing rye does? Uh, is, yeah. it, is it the same process? Very similar to corn. Um, the the gelatinization temperatures were similar. Uh, it tested the mill because it's the, the tiny little seeds, mm. right? So it just kept falling through the mill. So yeah. I think we bloody milled it four times before we had to you know, <laughs> crack it open. Um, yeah, and it fermented. It fermented very very similar to corn. Um, the the toughest one we have is the rye, which you've got there. Uh, yep. And we all know rye is difficult, the beta glucans in it. Um, and again, go hard or go home. There's that's eighty five percent rye in that. Um, so it, it is heavy. It, it, the yeast struggle through it. Um, the consistency of the rye matches like like PVA glue. It's so thick. Um, so ferments ferments do struggle struggle with that. That's yeah. But yeah, and then having to deal with disposing of all of that glue yeah just lots of woodwork mate um (laughs) so so all of the racking in the uh distillery is um is quinoa based or rye based as as the glue holding the racking together Uh, yeah Yeah, exactly (laughs) all my dog looks it up one of the two yeah (laughs) That dog. <laughs> so we've just moved on. Fuck, what did I just pour? This one. Oh, the Carl Strain. That's the last one. Oh, nice. Yep. They've all um, been very nice. They have all been very nice. I um, I just finished off the, the single malt, which is lovely. Lovely, yeah. Very, very, very nice. Yeah. Creamy, I think, is all of them have a creaminess yeah, to they them. Do. Mm. I agree. Um, that seems to be the through line, even even in the different grains, the creaminess that comes out. Um, 
I don't know what 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 would you attribute that to? Do you think? Oh, I think it's some of our it'd be our fermentation techniques, I reckon, um, and the way we distill it through the columns. Still, we've always had a real kind of oily, heavy um, distillate, but very clean as well. So I think you'd be picking up a bit of that. The new oak also has a bit of play there, although the only product there is a single malt that use, uses X upshot barrels. Right. So okay. the rye, uh, the cast strength, things like that, all brand new oak, four years. Yep. Well, that's four years in X um, upshot barrels. So second fill. Um, yeah, yeah. Just, to, just to tone down some of those um, oak characters and, and let the barley kind of shine through a little bit. Yeah. That's brilliant that you can um use your ex-bourbon barrels uh for all intents and purposes for your single malt and complete it full circle that's uh that's great yeah yeah it's good to have that dna kind of keep transferring through uh, yeah 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 yep. so what what's the oldest uh barrel that you've got laid down that's uh sitting there waiting to be good enough to release or for you to be happy enough for, to release it? We've got a few experiments, uh, probably about eight years old now. Um, I would say we've got one called Big Love. Now, Big Love is a version of the Upshot mm -hmm. distillate, which is uh, about seven years old now. And we're planning to do a release of this each year, uh, just one barrel. This Big Love... Uh, will blow your mind. It is, uh, I, I'm not going to try and compare it to something, but the way we've distilled it, it's very similar upshot in the fact that it's the same process, but instead of going through, um, you know, 20 plates of distillation, like upshot does, it's the strip spirit, four plates, it's heavy, mm. it's oily, it's full of those conjuns and S's that we want. It's, it's raw, goes in the barrel um, at about 60%. Um, and it's taken to about year six before it's kind of um, hit, hit maturity, but we've kind of left it in there a little bit longer. Um, mm. Such a heavy bowl spirit. It sits beautifully at about 55% alcohol, um, hoping to get that release um, when we can. We've just got so much going on, but it, it is a banging whiskey, but it's not for everyone. You know, I think yep. if you're a diehard, um, you know, maybe Pappy Van Winkle fan or something like that, because it is a weeded style uh, whiskey, this one would be more affordable and probably worth and probably tastes a little bit better. Um, <coughs> so, yeah, incredible whiskey. Um, yeah, wow. Hoping to get that out soon. So, yeah. yeah. And what about the name, Big Love? That's a interesting name. Where'd you get that one from? I was one of our employees. I give him credit uh, back in the day. Because it needs more love in the barrel, pretty much. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> it's like that needs more love. I was like, oh yeah, big love. So because it is a big, big spirit, it's bold. Um, yeah. As a, as a, especially as a new mate, uh, it's, it's ugly, it's sexy, all in one. But um, it just needed that time in barrel, uh, and mm. you know, it sits over here. It's nice and warm. We probably lose half a barrel, uh, you know, over those six years, but that's okay. It's a, it's a real good, um, strong. It becomes a little bit of big love at, by that point. Yeah. <laughs> big theft. Big theft, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. yeah. How, so the, the, 
I guess, interesting um, uh, side point there is with the theft, those uh, those damn angels. Um, what's it like over in in WA? Uh, what sort of a percentage do you think you're seeing on average uh, those fuckers taking? Oh, look, over so if we go off the data of Upshot, two years roughly, we're looking at about twelve percent. Um, in two years, yeah, it will it will slow down a little bit after that. Um, the car strength that'll be sitting at about fourteen percent in three years. Differing mm. uh, differing dif- um, casting levels as well. The upshots actually cast at bottling strength at forty three. If you didn't know that, whereas the car strength is cast at car strength. Mm. So. Yeah. Uh, the upshot's less volatile in barrel. So we, we mitigate some of that loss by having it at a low ABV. And we pick up some other advantages there as well. Things solubilize at different rates, like the vanillin will solubilize faster by having more of that water in the barrel. Hmm. Um, hence why we mature faster, whereas car strength takes three years for it to mature. Um, so we get that vanillin uh, extraction rate much slower over, over the two years, so it needs another year. So, but yeah, it's uh, it's warm and dry, but we obviously see the ABV go up, which is uh, can be exciting as well. Yeah, right. Uh, another little question come in. Uh, have you um, booked your flights to London for the next awards ceremony? <laughs> Man, I can't afford it. I think <laughs> we, we used all our flight credits up for the, this awards, so... <laughs> I don't think we'll be winning next year, so yeah. If you win, they should fly you out. Honestly, oh, they make so much money, surely, right? They surely, <laughs> yeah. Surely. And you still have to you still have to buy your buy your ticket there as well. So to the dinner, it's yeah. not free. <laughs> no, no, yeah. yay! You win an award, yay! It costs you more. Yeah. <laughs> or at least give you a discount on the artwork for, oh, yeah. you know, for, the, for the stickers. That's it, Crafty. Yeah. yeah. Just, I mean, it's advertising for them in the end, isn't it? So they should oh, give it to you. Yeah. That's it. That's it. That's it. And there you go. That little thing there. Cost, yeah. That little thing there. Cost your See, fortune. Oh, yeah. I had to buy that myself. Yeah. <laughs> Most people just throw it off anyway. What is this shit? Yeah, oh, that's, you know. it. <laughs> that's it. That's it. I, re- I remember one comp, I won um, two bronze medals and I had to pay for the artwork, uh, the, you know, the, the authorization to use it uh, for the bronze, not once, but twice. <laughs> and oh. it was the same, oh, same bloody file. <laughs> oh, that's rough. Use you the shits. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, yeah, you um, really have to pick and choose these awards, don't you? Because there's a lot of them popping up. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. and they're just big business on them. So yeah, bit of controversy with uh, with some of them at some points as well. Uh, not going to go into that now though. Um, I grew up in Colac. Lucky you. Yeah, it's a life story, is it? It is. Settle in. It is settle in. No, settle in. No. I I grew up in Colac, and um, my my dad still lives in Colac. It is a life story. Yeah. And he called me up a few years ago before COVID saying, oh, my God, there's a distillery opening up in Colac. 
like, yeah, cool. It's like, who? This mob from WA, I think. And then COVID happened and fucked all the best plans. Um, you've seen a few uh, problems with COVID come up, uh, as with everyone. Your global expansion or your your eastern expansion was uh, stifled by by COVID. Yeah, uh, yeah, basically, <laughs> COVID COVID stopped that. Yeah. We couldn't get over there. Um, yeah, it just it, it killed it. As much as we we wanted to um, pursue that project, yeah, mm. just just yeah, yeah, just killed it, it off. Um, it was exciting. It was, I, I saw the plans um, for it was the old Mitre Ten building in this in in Colac of all fucking places. Why you would choose Colac, I don't know. Except for the fact that it was a big <laughs> shed. Um, but it looked like a really amazing um, project. Is that are you are you looking to expand out again now that uh, the COVID really, shit's been dealt with, and uh, or, or or has the the landscape changed? Yeah, oh, certainly the landscape's changed. Um, we were very excited about that project. Colac's a very similar town to where I grew up. Um, it's it's pretty um like the the big lakes there it's close to the ocean great ocean road close to cool towns mm. like um ocean towns like lawn mm. um you know i got excited about the surf down on lawn as well i was like oh, i could i could live here <laughs> for sure don't know if i could afford living there at all but you know um Not in lawn no <laughs> yeah it, oh man it's beautiful there isn't it but yeah it's all um pretty pretty uh, uh affluent little area but um mm. Yeah, look, it was an opportunity for us to expand uh, into into Victoria. Um, we wanted to take what we did over here as a one-stop mm. shop, um, you know, venue, um, tour experience, production facility, and that that building that was on the highway there was perfect. Um, mm. And the owners of that were quite keen. They're big whiskey fans, and they wanted to to collaborate and do something there. So that's where it kind of kicked off. But um, yeah, sadly, you know, COVID got in the way, and uh, yeah, it just wasn't wasn't going to happen after that. Yeah, yeah. We, we we'd gone quite a fair way down that that process. Mm. Um, but we still want to we still want to want to expand. Uh, we do want to grow our production and our reach. Um, we want to be known as the the home uh, when you come to WA, known as the um, the whiskey distillery um, of choice. We want people from east coast we want people from overseas to come visit us and mm. um have a good good experience so and like you mentioned at the start of the interview you know our cellar door is tiny and we want to grow that we want to mm. grow that experience where it's type of food and cocktails and uh, events um that would just require some of our production gear get the hell out of there moving somewhere else <laughs> So we can take up that space. So it's a bit of yep. a um, balancing act at the moment. But yeah, it's just things are just a, a bit of a mess out there uh, in terms of um, raising capital for that um, mm. and expanding. But it's definitely on the rise and we're in, in it for the long game. Uh, our investors are keen for us to grow as well. Uh, I'm keen to kind of get the production level up as well. And yeah, just just be the, uh, be the WA distillery. Um, 
making good booze, good whiskey, mm. so uh, well, and have it have it spread across Australia a bit more. So I think you're already at that point, really. You are the Perth distillery. I can't I can't name any others in Perth. In Perth, no. Can you? Yes. No. 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 There you, you go. Miss it. Unanimous. Yeah. You own Perth. Oh, no. I'll retire. I'm <laughs> going. There's some really good good little um, Perth suits popping up, like Lysandra's, uh, Carmel. There, there's a few little craft um, whiskey suits popping up finally, which is good to see. Uh, yeah, awesome. You, you know, all you guys on, on the East Coast get all, all the good stuff, all the good whiskey distilleries. And, you know, for years it was just like, like us and Lion Burners. So it's good to see some more people playing in, mm. in the whiskey field because there's plenty of space for us all. Um, yeah. But if you just set out to make whiskey, it's, it's a tough game. You know, mm. that's why a lot of people make gin and things like that. So, yeah. Mm. Now, that's something that you've never gone yeah. into. Oh, sorry, I, no, no, yeah, I took yeah. your question yeah. there. You never felt the need to go into gin or, or other spirits? No. Um, it was a looking back, it was probably the wrong decision to make um, <laughs> financially. It's That's why you went tough. coffee. Yeah, look, coffee ain't going to pay the whiskey bills, that's for sure. Um, uh, it's nice to have for us personally. Uh, you can't drink whiskey in the morning uh, all day, every day. But, um, yeah, look, we, we, we stayed away from gin. Uh, you know, one thing I, I – I love whiskey and I just wanted to focus on whiskey and be passionate about that. Maybe that was a, a poor business decision, but we've gotten through that now. And the good thing is from a brand perspective, we're known as a whiskey distillery. Mm. We're not, not known as a, a gin distillery that makes a bit of whiskey. Mm. Um, so we, we toughed it out. But uh, I certainly recommend anyone starting up a distillery do more white spirits, pump that out the door, get some revenue in the door because it's been tough. Um, yeah. <laughs> Definitely. The, the the cash flow certainly would uh, would help. Yeah. So talk or about, make beer. Or make, or make beer, beer, yeah. 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 Talk, talk about those early days, Jimmy. So when you, you had whiskey, so you, you hit the two-year mark, you had product, how did you get it out there? How did was there a lot of door knocking, mm. a lot of sitting down with bars? How did you get the name out there? And what what was the strength of the the offering? We, we, was it very much hey we're, we're local, we're Australian, or what was it? Yeah, uh, so we, we as you might know, Crafty, we we started off with the moonshine, yeah, uh, which started as some brand building, I guess. Uh, it, it certainly didn't drive much revenue. Moonshine's unfortunately got a bad connotation in Australia. Mm. Um, for us, we know it's a, it's a moonshine's such an underrated product. Um, you know, drinking year makes incredible, but mm. tell the Australian public that, right? <laughs> moonshine, yeah, oh my God. yeah. rocket yeah. fuel. Oh my God, it's not rocket fuel, but anyway, um, you think we would love it, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah, it's. Yeah, it's 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 yeah, it, it was tough. So we did some brand building. Um, the the other advantage, obviously, was we have we're in the city, so we're close to a lot of people. Uh, mm. Demographic. We already had coffee customers for two two years coming in. We were doing events in the distillery, so we had car launches in the distillery. We had fashion parades, live music gigs, 
all happening in the space. So we're kind of brand building and building this audience that were paying us to be there. And then so when we launched the whiskey, we already had a bit of name, a bit of a name for ourselves. Right. Um, so it, I wouldn't say it was easier, but we we'd kind of built up a bit of a, a following. So when the whiskey came out, it was easier to go, oh yeah, you know, it's here. Um, we picked up a distributor as well, a local little boutique distributor in Perth. Uh, they started uh, out, get, got on the road, started repping as well, had a lot of experience in on-premise and retail. So that helped us as well. So that, but the offering, to be honest, it was one, one style of whiskey and two moonshine. So it was pretty small, uh, but it wasn't easy. It, it doesn't fly off the shelf like you, you'd think. And our push, our, our uh, you know, our sales spin was, you know, it's it's all local. It's WA. Uh, mm. It's made down the road. You know, you're a Perth bar. We're, we're just down the road from you. Um, but it doesn't make it any easier. Um, it just gives it a different edge. Um, but then then you kind of, you're in the, you're in the game then, right? You're, you're competing with everyone else. And then you start learning a lot about yeah. how, how to sell as well. Lots of door knocking, lots of master classes. Um, you know, I do shifts in the distillery, but making whiskey, uh, you know, seven to to four, seven to five, and then you're out at night doing trade shows or meeting bars or drinking or networking or selling. So you do some long hours or you're making whiskey or you're doing an event. So you've, you've got forklifts running around, you're making a mess, you produce your batch, you've, you've mashed, clean up, Turn it, turn it into a production, uh, into a function space. You're behind the bar. You're pulling drinks, wow. and then you're cleaning up, and you finish at two a.m. and you're yeah. there the next day at seven o'clock in the morning to put the next smash on. And you do that seven days a week as, as long as you can until you get there, pretty much. So, mm. Yeah. Are you there yet? Oh, a long way to go, but <laughs> I'm five days a week. Oh. And only occasionally get caught on the weekend, which is a win in my books. So. That is a win. That is a win. Well done. Mm. <laughs> well done. And how long did it take to get to that point? Uh, <clears throat> probably five years. Five years? <laughs> Four or five years. The good thing is, though, um, in, in our business, especially in the early days, we had some guns. Like we, we had some amazing people, friends of mine. Um, I mentioned Tim Hoskin before. I grew up with him in Narragin. He's at Archie Rose now as their production manager. Um, absolute weapon. So have we, my brother-in-law, all our, all our staff, we've always had some good crew. So you're not doing it alone, obviously. Uh, and really passionate people just helping you out and get get stuck into it um so yeah it's a tough slog but it's, it's good when you're doing it with good people because mm. who gives a shit you know if you've got good people <laughs> around you um the cool thing is at the end of the day uh, especially these days you go to bars in perth uh and you see your product on the shelf that's fucking awesome and then you actually hear someone ordering it or talking about it you're mm. standing at the bar and they're going Oh, have you heard of Whippersnapper before? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I've tried that one. Now you should give that a crack. Hey, it's really good. And you're just like, yeah, it pays off, you know. The hard work. <laughs> That's, do, do you ever go, mine, I did that? 
Uh, no, it's it's weird. How, how do you approach that a conversation? You know, um, you just go. It might be unless yeah, you're an attractive that lady. One, that, it's one, like, oh, that, hello. that release. That's a good release. Yeah, that one. I made that. I made that one. <laughs> what what normally happens is like I don't know what whiskey to buy, and you hear that, and you're like. Heard about this whiskey distillery in East Perth? You should buy that. I heard it's bloody awesome. Yeah. And you're wearing a whippersnapper. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Up shot t-shirt. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Now, how how do you go with the the two different brands as well? Upshot being obviously its own brand, and then whippersnapper as the distillery. Does that do you do you, do you have any confusion with that, or just that? How do you go with marketing of the two different brands side by side? Yeah, there was a bit. Um, we, we we evolved the label over the years. We wanted Upshot to be easier to to say at a bar, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, upshot means an end of a, end of a story, end of a journey. That's why it's on the bottle. Um, and the label itself is a little bit more contemporary, and it's meant to look urban. So it's actually meant to be. Um, Actually, I'll pull one up here. There we go. Yeah. So you can kind of see this rip line here is like yep. band posters that you rip off walls in the city, and there's another one stuck mm-hmm. on there, and that's kind of, kind of the urban representation. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, because we had an urban distillery. So, but it yep. has evolved over the years. Um, um, and yeah, there was some, some confusion in the early days, but you notice as you turn the bottle around, there's a lot of whippersnapper references. Oh, indeed. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just like we want it to be, hey, can I get an upshot and Coke or whatever, you know, upshot and ice. Nice and easy. Instead of saying, can I get a whippersnapper distillery corn whiskey? Uh, (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So, but you can see with um, the single grain series here, it's we've gone back to that that whippersnapper uh, monocle there. Yep. obviously single malt whippers have distillery single malt Australian whiskey um, mm. so we're going back to that more traditional kind of look so spell yeah. ey ey yep that's that's the corn that's the American kind of taste the <laughs> Irish taste so man it gets a lot of um it I think it annoys a lot of people there's an e in there it's like is that a whiskey then it's like yeah controversial it's spelling <laughs> um, I've, I've got Irish heritage, so and Ooh. you know we, it's American style whiskey in the bottle, so that's always EY. Even the single malt uh, is EY in there, just to really annoy people, yep. right? Just to so. fuck with people. I yeah. like it. I like it. So, will you do a triple distilled corn whiskey? Triple just distilled, to, just to to marry the the Irish American corn. We've actually got a, um, uh, it's not released yet, a barley whiskey. So we use 80% unmalted barley. Right. Uh, and that, that is our Irish style whiskey. Yeah. Right. And that, that falls in line with the um, a wheat belt series. Okay. Mm. It look exactly the same, just a green bottle. That'll be about six years old uh seven years old um very interesting product very grassy uh 
a lot of honey tones, um, quite savoury as well. Very different okay. to our single malt. Uh, that'll be coming out soon, probably next year, I'd say. But that's our Irish-style whiskey. And the reason we did that in the early days is because we didn't have a lot of options to change malted barley strains. So we went to my mate Justin uh, and just got some two-row variety barley, Vlaming it was called, and gave that a crack so we can experiment with a different style of barley. Um, and it was unmalted. So, yeah. Mm. So what's next for Upshot? Where are you, where what can we expect? You you've you've mentioned a few different things that are coming up over the next sort of year or two to be released. Um, where do you see Upshot going in the next five years? Uh, it, I think it'll it'll keep the the brand might evolve a little bit, but it's always going to be there as a as a good stable single barrel release whiskey mm -hmm. um you will see the blend come in uh underneath it to support mm -hmm. um the price point and the product itself so we've obviously now that's 110 bucks um and like i just mentioned it's a single barrel all our most of our whiskies or all our whiskies are single barrel released mm. oh wow so, yeah mm. so um the the blend whiskey, which will come in underneath it, will be an upshot, part of the upshot series. So it'll be a corn mix with uh, a wheat uh, NGS mix. And uh, that actually comes out, I think, in November. Mm. So, yeah. We actually, we, we produced this whiskey probably uh, four years ago. And we did oh, a small okay. batch to trial the market over here in West Australia. Yep. And I believe I, I started making it right. And then uh, Starwood released the twofold. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> they beat me to it. So we, were thinking, we were thinking about it. But, you know, I we just started planning for it. I think it was in 2018 and they released it. So that's kind of cool. Um, yeah, wow. Then, anyway, we, we made our first batch. It was about six barrels. And it went out to a few big venues here in West Australia um, as a first pour. And they absolutely loved it. And the feedback we got from the public, um, different people in the industry loved it. So we're like, okay, we'll make it. So, and, and since then, like Manly and, and others are probably starting to think about it as well. Mm. But um, Upshot will always be there as the premium um, option, the car strength, uh, the special corn uh, seasonal releases like the red corn, rainbow, blue. Uh, there'll be you know, batch releases. We've got the... Um, the wheat belt series as well, the rye, the single malt, the barley, um, and then we've got the urban as well. So our urban mm. series are our quinoa, our, we've got a rum, uh, we've got the um, coffee spirit, uh, we've got smoked honey, moonshine, uh, <laughs> moonshine infusion, all that kind of stuff as well. So, yeah, that's an awful lot to keep track of. That oh, must be, yeah. yeah. I don't know, I get used to it. I get bored if there's nothing coming up. So <laughs> I need to keep making. I love creating. I love making things. So, yeah, I don't know what's sitting out in the barrel sometimes. I've yeah. got to go through the database and, oh, shit, that's right. I made that oh, four years ago. I forgot about that product. Yeah, so, <laughs> yes, there, there's some cool There's some cool stuff um, sitting out there. We've done some, a lot of stuff with breweries as well over the years, collabs. 
Uh, and then we've distilled a lot of beers over the years as well. So oh, hops right. and all, um, some incredible products sitting in Barrow out there. Yeah. Um, one I'll, I'll probably mention is uh, Brew Moon Rising. So it's a, a project that we launched um, during COVID mm-hmm. uh, for our local uh, craft brewing uh, scene over here. So as you remember, like all the brewers and you know venues shut. So any brewery that had a venue was closed down and we obviously they had beer sitting in keg that potentially would go off. So what we did, we we put the shout out to about 21 different breweries in WA to give us your kegs. Give us two kegs each. Mm. We'll blend it and we'll distill it. We'll turn it to a moonshine and we'll sell it and the proceeds, profits will go back to you. Um, and it worked. It worked so well. We actually had 21 brews jump on board, um, IPAs, uh, barley wines, uh, lagers, um, different kind of English ales. We kind of split it into categories, distilled it. Oh, there it is, Broom and Rising. There are my dogs on there. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to get my dog on the label, essentially, is the point of the story. Um, so is, is your dog a wolf? <laughs> yeah, well, that's Marley. She's a... She's a Malinois cross border collie, so a bit of a mix. But she became a wolf in this uh, illustration. <laughs> um, yeah. cool label. That's a very cool label. Yeah. Oh, yeah. hold on, hold on. I I was I was looking at the wolf howling in the moon. I actually, on second look, missed completely missed the whole the, the, the whole dog, dog yeah. on the label. My mistake. Yeah. You see the you see the, the the keg around her neck. That's meant yep. to represent you know the rescue dogs in Switzerland. Yeah, 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 yeah. kegs. Yep. Yeah, so it's like her coming to rescue um, <laughs> the brewing industry. <laughs> but it, look, it was there to kind of raise awareness. So when venues opened up to the Australian WA public, to get back and support everyone, including us yeah. and all the breweries. So don't forget about your local business, right? Yeah. So. 110 bottles sold out in 12 hours. Uh, the the, the new, new make is fucking incredible. Uh, the, the hoppy, fruity flavor we got out of it is incredible. Um, that went obviously, we sold that out. The profits went back to the breweries. Uh, we got a lot of good publicity, so news media got involved, and yeah, it worked as a, as a project. But we had a bit of leftover spirit. And it's been sitting in barrels for um, three years now mm. and uh, had a taste of it uh, the other day. I got some samples down there and phew, it's only one barrel, but, you know, there, there you go. There's the, there's the breweries so, that got involved. So these are all the breweries that are in that yep. release? With, with their style of beer, yeah. Look, so there's 20, 21 different breweries are in there. Yep. Different styles, different of, beer. styles yeah, of beer. So we've got a barley wine and stout from Beer Farm, Bevy Saison, Black Brewing Pale, uh, Bolster IIPA, Boston Brewing Red IPA, Bright Tank IIIPA. Fuck, I love the pirate action of an IIIPA. Cheeky Monkey West Coast Colonial IPA, which I quite like that one. Um, Kawaramup? Kawaramup, yeah. I've Butchered that German uh, lager, Eagle Bay IPA, Feral IPA, Gage Rose Pilsner, Innate Lager, 
uh, Margaret River, uh, Lager, Nail Brewing, Pale Ale, Northbridge Brewing, Belgian Pale Ale, Nowhere Man Pale, Other Side Belgian Double, Rocky Ridge Pale, Whitford's Brewing IPA, and a Wild Hop IIPA. That is some mix. So keep an eye out. Now we're going to have to talk about that a little bit more. Did you just throw them all into the still and just distill the shit out of it? Or did you do them individually? Or how the fuck did that work? (laughs) Yeah, we we kind of separated kind of the real hoppy ones with IPAs, double IPAs, into one distillation run, more ales and lagers into different distillation runs. And then then I blended the new makes. So, uh, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Thank you, Lord Smeg. I'm just imagining Luke trying to pronounce the suburb of Cockburn. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, don't be afraid of um, distilling things with hops. Uh, I yep. say if you've got a good, if you know what you're doing, um, yeah, fucking incredible. So the new make, I don't, I've only got a bottle sitting around here, but um, it's pretty special. We can't recreate that, right? Be no. So when the whiskey is released, um, yeah, it's it, it'll fly, it'll, it'll move. It, it's a once-off. So yeah. I was going to say it'd have a bit of a cult following, wouldn't it? That one. Yeah, yeah. I'd say so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Apparently, I fucked it up. It's Coburn, not Cockburn. <laughs> That's Who correct, thought? Coburn. Yeah. <laughs> so you don't pronounce. The... All right. Yeah, it's well, weird, isn't it? Silly. Mm. That's stupid. If there's a cock in there, you pronounce it. <laughs> I've had an awful lot of your whiskey. I'm sorry. <laughs> been enjoying these whiskeys. I've great. been I've been well and truly enjoying it. Uh, we've <laughs> we've we've. Uh, are there any more questions from the audience uh, before we uh, before we uh, sign off and uh, I go and sleep off all this alcohol i've had uh and we let jimmy get back to work because he's obviously got um a what couple more hours left of of the evening oh no i'm done i'm gonna go walk the dog now (laughs) (laughs) well we'll let it see whether anything comes up in the next 30 seconds or not otherwise we will let you get uh Get get going thank you so much for joining us uh, and uh, taking the time out of your busy schedule uh, to uh, talk some shit with us, really. And thank you so much for the samples yep. as well. They've been amazing. Been enjoying I've, them quite a lot tonight. I've been... <laughs> some more than others, obviously. <laughs> what? It's all good. What? No, they, they're really fantastic, guys. They're Get on the are. list and make sure you buy yourself some. Indeed. So jump on to the website. I'm going to flash it up on the screen again. Uh, whippersnapperdistillery.com. Get yourself some upshot. Get yourself some of that single malt. That was, I really liked yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, oh, the rye. The rye. The rye is something that's fantastic. That's, that's really um, quite special. And uh, that one sold out. Is par- it? The, apparently it won an award or something. Won the award? Yeah. yeah. Uh, there's a few bottles left. About 200 bottles left, I think. Yeah. Oh, plenty. Okay. There you go. Plenty. It's that's, quick. It's selling quick. That's like a whole release for some people. Um, 
hold on, one question coming, Jimmy. Earth or moving outside the city, a la Blaster. Blaster. Uh, oh, good question. Yeah, I actually went and saw. So, Blaster is a, a, a brewery over here. Uh, he was in uh, close to the city and he's built a big production facility, actually, and it's quite impressive. Yeah, definitely. Um, we, we're going to have to, if we're going to grow production, we'll have to move into a more appropriate area. But I think the cellar door, well, East Perth location in Kensington Street will always be there. And we'll, we'll expand that, the, the hospitality kind of side of things, keeping us still in there, keeping some barrels, keeping all the magic, but some of the bigger production gear will kind of move off site. But uh, in true Samba fashion, we'll make sure you can still visit the distillery and be shown through it. So it won't be off limits. We want people to see the distillery and learn about how risky is made. So always do that. Awesome. Uh, and there was also another comment that I found quite interesting. Um, are the bus drivers on strike? <laughs> Please explain that one. <laughs> I don't know either, William. Um, absolutely no idea. How many no, no idea and no context. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Whoosh, whoosh. <laughs> uh, thank you all for joining us uh, once again. We will be back uh, next week. Uh, next week, yes, yes, that is confirmed. Uh, we it will Cut be off. that's my birthday, and it's Lukey's birthday, so make sure you come. So, Cuthill Distillery. Um, I'll get the event up to remind everybody in the next day or so. And yeah, thank you all very much for joining us. Uh, Jimmy, don't go anywhere. I'm going to roll the credits and um, yeah, we'll uh, thanks, guys. We'll chat offline. Uh, thank you all again. Uh, like and subscribe, all those things, you know. Just yeah, do that. Bye. I'm so sorry. We haven't gone off air yet, but I just got it because Todd explained it to me. No, no, they haven't. There's still people there. Um, I'm sorry, William. We didn't get to throw Todd under the bus today, but we'll do it twice <laughs> in another episode just to make up for it. So, yes. Eat shit. Double hit. Thank you. Yep. Okay. Thanks all. Now I'm ending the stream. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.